big thank you to everyone tuning in and a warm welcome to the podcast on starting and scaling AI ventures where I would host AI leaders from across the globe in an attempt to bridge the large gap of what it means to be AI powered and how you can help your organization get there. The 8th edition of this podcast features Tanmay Jain. Tanmay Jain is the founder and chief executive of Amber by Enfido, a Y Combinator summer 20 company. and one of the leading firms in employee engagement that has successfully helped enterprises adopt AI and HR to increase top talent retention enhance employee experience and diagnose culture issues using predictive people analytics he is one of the youngest speakers to address the HR leadership in organizations like Coca-Cola Fidelity Kellogg School of Management alumni General Electric Schneider Microsoft and others Tanmay is a strong advocate of mental health having lost his younger brother to cancer and his family has dedicated the Parubhai Foundation to demonstrate a symbol of strength for all individuals battling mental health and unforeseen challenges that threaten their collective happiness. He aims to build product solutions to help individuals globally feel that they have a friend to talk to when they need to. Hey Tanmay, glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Shantanu. Could you tell us a little about how Infido came about and some interesting areas of work that you're undertaking these days, and what a typical workday for you looks like if it's changed a lot from the past four months? So it, it, this goes uh, back to 2013. It's it's been seven years, and uh, it started off with this desire to just you know. make something where people stop cribbing and use a channel uh, to have let's say the top management leadership in any community act on those vents or problems or questions that people have and i think over 3 to 4 years of it's it's like banging your head on a door door till it breaks right and uh, once the door finally opened we realized that we were banging the wrong door and turns out uh, in 2016 uh, we came about with this idea that what if we had a persona and not just a tool or a product a persona that sort of understands people understands emotions and basis that, that takes decisions and helps people right and i think that's how infero sort of came about where we just kept trying three four things and the answer was never ai on day one we just happened to come across it and uh, to really answer the question on how life has changed this year like <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't even know what <laughs> where to start because 2020 has been like incredibly uh uh <laughs> clearly i'm lost the words yeah. so what's changed for me on a day to day basis is uh i think uh, we're back to fundamentals uh i have realized how like the little things matter and it it sometimes sounds so basic right like the smallest of things the most simplest of things have started matching so much more because everything else all of the surface level stuff all of the marketing jargon all of the sales aspects all of the bubbles have burst like right in our face as a community as a world so i think that's that's the change and uh, the interesting bits we've been working on uh, in the last few months so uh, certain challenges we face with uh, our product where we're trying to make sure that uh, it's it's ready for a post covid era where the frequency of conversation should be in the control of any employee 
or any freelancer or anybody who's working anywhere. We're visibly like our product Amber reaching out to them whenever she likes. So the idea is Amber should be available as a friend when, when an employee needs her, not when she's available. So try to work on that bit and sort of look at the angle of mental well-being as well to see how they can come together. Yeah, and uh, very interesting that you mentioned that you stumbled upon AI because that was something that intrigued me personally as well when I was at Tech HR at Amber's Booth. And that brings me to the second thing I wanted to ask you was how did you come to identify this particular thing was going to be solved by AI or could it have been any other solution and how's AI particularly leading charge here? I think when you fail for three years, 2013 to 16, nonstop and nothing works, right? And uh, that's when I was at my absolute lowest point in life, uh, where we sort of uh, stumbled across the Google uh, Sprint, right? The Google Ventures Sprint. And it was a five-day sprint where once we understood that, you know, the problem that we have to solve essentially is not understanding the pulse of my employees across the world, not understanding how they feel, not understanding who's going to leave, right? And when we looked at first principles, we realized like right now, like a group of people are doing it. So how about we have one super efficient individual doing it who understands people and understands emotions. And that's when I spoke to a couple of people at TechHR itself, ironically, where uh, I was sort of getting some feedback and someone said, you know what, like, what if a bot does it? And I was like, wait a sec, that sounds really cool because you combine the efficiency of a machine and the persona, emotion, and perception of a human being together. And it just comes across as this wholesome, holistic aspect. And I think for us, my biggest realization over the years has been like a lot of times you, you think as a like wannabe or a budding entrepreneur that we'll do something in AI and therefore it solves some problem. I think for us, it was we have a problem which we have not been able to solve let's see if AI works. And it just happened to work. And I just want to give sort of a big disclaimer, right? That AI is a buzzword. And for us, we are using NLP and predictive analysis only. Like, so it's very important to call out the specifics within AI because I've also noticed some people just using recommendation engines and just calling it AI, right? So, so it's very important to classify what aspect is it. And for us, it's a persona NLP and predictive analysis. I'm very glad uh, that you mentioned that as it was going to circle back to me in some shape or form. But uh, <laughs> glad, glad to hear that it was something that you found useful and in the right space and time and just clicked. I think a lot of times that doesn't necessarily happen to all technologies. And uh, wanted to understand from you when you scaled Amber, I'd say uh, this was something that clicked from an AI standpoint. And then when you're scaling this across very large scale and sometimes organizations that haven't really experienced the digital of sorts yet. How does, how does that change the functioning of a particular vertical? Say, for example, you introduce HR in Tata's and I think the Tata's have been very, um, very old as a company. I think digital transformation hitting them. How does that usually change what the HR function is doing? I think what's changed, first of all, with the aspect of time is in 2017, 18, I, used, I, I felt the need to go up on stage and speak a lot to at least convince people that this is not going to replace you, especially the traditional ones. And thank God we're sort of past that futile argument, right? Because it's just like the most ridiculous argument, like it just comes from a sense of insecurity and fear. 
But now what we're seeing, even the traditional companies, they actually have uh, interesting mandates, right? The most common one is, okay, let's, let's create something, let's do something innovative and just there's an innovation budget, which is again, like very generic, but uh, luckily, uh, especially when it comes to companies like Tata, right? So they actually have mandates as progressive HR individuals at our vertical is HR, uh, where their mandate is, okay, how can we sort of deploy technology uh, to make sure we're better serving our employees, right? In a 2020 or a post COVID era. And they actually have those mandates coming from the top. And that's what matters, right? Because uh, especially with traditional companies, for those of them who feel that just launching AI or launching something like Amber will, our product Amber will result in uh, like the solution, like that's just gonna make matters worse because you have somebody empathizing, listening, gathering feedback and no human being acting on it, it's gonna make matters worse. But the impact we've seen on certain of these companies is number one, the vertical, at least in our space, uh, has become extremely important. Like uh, if I were to look back a few years, like HR struggled to have a seat on the table. HR was an undervalued function. Till date people, for some reason, title HR as the Rangoli function, right? So uh, now yeah. with, with this, uh, some of them actually came to me and said, you know what, stop calling it AI, artificial intelligence, call it augmented intelligence, because you've augmented our role. Like we are suddenly more intelligent thanks to, you know, your product, right? And that's very fulfilling to hear because all of these oldies, traditional people who are struggling to sort of be relevant uh, in 2020 with technology, this just makes them more valued and achieve outcomes like stronger retention, uh, let's say stronger productivity or at least stronger well-being, right? So that, that's what we've seen in larger setups so far. And the problem scales uh, as you scale because we don't even serve startups because uh, I would have loved to, by the way, but the, the challenge is you're all in a, like, a small office or in a post-COVID era, you're all on Slack, right? But when you have 100,000 people, which in today's time, 100,000 houses, right? None of them are on Slack. Some of them might be on Slack or Microsoft Teams or since you are in Microsoft now. Yeah. Uh, but the whole idea is that the problem compounds at scale and we've seen tremendous impact in the traditional ones, more so the startups. And uh, very interesting that you mentioned augmented intelligence particularly because I wanted to lead into um, a question on that front as well because a lot of times that uh, we found that our CS teams were uh, spending a lot of time educating uh, the HRs that were going to be onboarded sometimes to fly down to different uh, countries, different continents and try to help them understand how to use the product and what are the limitations of a product and so on. Uh, so when you say augmented intelligence, I wanted to understand how important you felt is the need to educate HRBPs or users of any intelligent product, for example, before it's handed out to them for use, or is it something that you can do with intrinsic product nudges, or are there CS people always up there needing to be tell the, you know, needing to tell everyone, this is how to do it. This is my limitation and so on. I think that's a very good question. And because you worked with us, you know, this is like, <laughs> you've caught my nerve, right? So it's very frustrating to sort of see uh, like the expectation gap sometimes. And frankly speaking, I think that's where we could uh, like work a little harder. And that's what we want to do this year. So what I, what I believe is uh, when you look at customer success as a function, right, it needs to be helping the uh, 
customer or the HR in this case succeed towards their outcome, which is retention, productivity, experience, and so on. But a lot of time, the like the hurdle is like just getting them to understand that okay, uh, number one there are limitations, right? Like AI is not like Jarvis where you just ask for anything or you want anything like HRMS payroll, uh, query answering, XYZ, like a hundred things, everything in one, like you should be like, uh, if I have a hundred people to meet with an Amber and like we need a hundred percent accuracy, even if one case goes wrong, like you're like, yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, trust me, if there was any product, I would have a hundred percent accuracy with regards to predicting people at risk, right? That product like would, like yeah. it would have been bigger than Apple today, right? So to say, but uh, I think those just limitations that uh, AI or NLP always works with a feedback loop, right? Because even when let's say uh, an Alexa, a Siri or any product which has an aspect of recommendations or NLP AI, you have to give feedback. Okay, this was accurate. This was not not accurate. And over time, it automatically improves. So we've seen the customers who understand the limitations and work as contributors to growing it together. Like they derive immense value because that's how like they're working towards building like the system with us, right? Uh, the other ones where with regards to how they can use uh, the product. I think that bit can easily uh, be driven by nudges, right? Because uh, at the end of the day, like your product should be designed in a way where uh, like you have a series of uh, steps, like a workflow, and you sort of onboard them step by step in the workflow with nudges, right? Instead of giving a full-fledged training, which people wouldn't remember like after a few days or weeks. But yes, that's an aspect because we work with Indian enterprises. We're sort of used to hand-holding and spoon-feeding, but uh, I think uh, with time, we'll be able to sort of automate that and drive that through the product. Yeah, and uh, very glad that you mentioned the PTM accuracy because this is something that I was, I was going to put down myself because this is, uh, I think humans have the tendency, you're right, to assume that. And, and this is a great book that I came across recently was Nick Bostrom's Super Intelligence, where he says that uh, if you try to imagine AI as human, you will always hold AI accountable for the flaws that you would normally hold a human accountable. But you can't do that all the time because it's it's still up and coming. And uh, just uh, leading on to the next question, I think uh, when you say accuracies cannot be, of course, naturally 100% or even 95, 96% in any shape or form. How do you assume, say, for example, if you give it out to uh, large organizations, and I believe we faced something very similar with Airtel, uh, which is the black box versus the white box debate. Say, for example, I give the people to meet algorithm to NHRBP, and from an end user standpoint, is it op important to optimize for the explainability or the accuracy, or is this uh, something that is variable across where you're using it? Because doesn't HR want to know why a person is in people to meet? Or do they want to know that this person is in people to meet regardless of why they could be? Interesting. So uh, like this is something, again, I love how it is pressing where it hurts <laughs> with customer names. <laughs> so uh, I think uh, if I were to give an analogy, right? And let's just take the simplest ones. Um, yeah. Let's just take Google Photos, for example, right? So with Google Photos, I was like, frankly speaking, surprised to know you can't manually tag people, right? It auto tags people. And the only thing you can do is give feedback to their model, right? And uh, 
like somehow initially it was a little bit frustrating because i was like you know what you're not picking up all my photos right but then uh, the fact that i had a certain sense of control right to give feedback and know that the system will compound over time vis-a-vis me manually tagging photos forever like that trust because i have some control to contribute and the fact that it is gradually improving was really helpful similarly when i look at uh, like gmail right if if uh, there was this interesting debate between uh, so basecamp has launched this uh, uh, email product called hey.com and a lot of people i saw were not entirely happy because gmail has an auto uh, sort of spam filter or categorization right and of course the fact that uh, they're able to accurately mark emails as spam and then you have control in case something is incorrectly marked or not marked right so i think drawing that parallel right to our space when you say you come across uh, like customers like airtel where they wanted to see what's happening behind the scenes at the end of the day if your product is is having some level of accuracy which is gradually improving over time coupled with a feedback loop right where customers like airtel or other companies need to be told that in case you feel there are improvements how about you contribute with feedback right directly in the product which is a thumbs up a thumbs down move it out of a person at risk move it into a person at risk and so on and so forth that's how it should be which in long story short it should be a black box but full control to the end user to contribute on improving the black box because see why like do i want to know how google's algorithms work and if i get to know right i will start breaking it down and just making their lives hell so so that's how i think about it yep and uh, i i was personally very thankful for the thumbs up thumbs down that was already on the product when i walked in because that helped us a lot to work on our product and work on some algorithms that we couldn't improve without user feedback so definitely love your viewpoint on this um the next question of course was a lot more core to uh, what you've been doing for the past 6 7 years uh is that um, a lot of times when you pitch amber uh, this is this comes to a lot of pitching to organizations that have never really used a huge ton of ai and are experimenting with innovation in hr for the first time and is there a particular way that you used to break into these non ai enterprises to introduce say a ai transformation how do you uh, particularly express the benefits of something that they've never used before so i'm a huge advocate of influencer marketing right and if there's anything like i would say okay what of my particular stance would be like if there's any industry that's sort of uh, struggling to pick up or any new category that has to be created or new model that needs to be sort of pushed into organizations for experiments right like the singular pillar to make it happen is influencer marketing right and let me just sort of uh clarify what that means because if you google influencer marketing you'll get a shit tons of outdated jargon yeah. <laughs> so uh influencer marketing for me as uh, would be that i want to make sure that number one i am targeting my early adopters particularly certain key influencers right who actually contribute and derive like tremendous 10x value from the product right and then make sure which specifics uh, they articulate what value they derive and they further attribute the message right so and then whenever i am let's say whether i am a uh, let's say a product manager or a sales person or a founder going to traditional companies now 
I don't have to talk about my product. I don't have to talk about my company. All I have to say is, here's how this individual, and for us, to be honest, it was Ankur Variku at nearby, right? Because he's been so well-read on culture, right? How Ankur benefited from using AI in HR, right? Or here's how the top 10, first 10 companies in India adopted AI in HR and see specifics, hear them out, hear them out. Like when we go on our tech HR booth, for example, where we met you, right? So the idea is not, here's what Amber does. The idea is, here's how Ankur is using AI to adopt, let's say, uh, automation in employee engagement. And by the way, he uses us. So it's just that whole narrative on how you make sure there is an influencer early adopted, a progressive individual genuinely deriving value. So that initial sort of uh, door opening or that hurdle to cross, is typically the hardest for a new category. But once you've crossed it, and once the product is in their hands, the product speaks for itself. So that's how we've seen that happen in traditional companies. And here's the best part. Once you get those traditional companies, like for example, Tata, you use those as your influences to get more traditional yeah. companies. So it's like this flywheel, which just keeps on going. It's just hard to start it. Yeah, so it makes sense. And just a quick uh, follow-up on that. Uh, from a from a non-AI company, when you speak to them, are there any couple of uh, say USPs of your intelligent USPs of a product that you particularly highlight or look at? For us, it's three things. So when I look at uh, the first one, it's essentially your uh, the timing of uh, Amber, right? So we make sure that whenever Amber has to speak to employees, right, she look at the employee's clock and not necessarily the company's clock, which was annual surveys or quarterly surveys. So whenever an employee completes a special milestone, uh, has a significant change in their career, and now we want to add, let's say, more components on making it available 24-7, right? So, so that's the first bit, which is the timing and availability of Amber as a friend, right? The second aspect is is the NLP itself, where we look at, okay, how can we have Amber, number one, understand your emotion so well, right, that she's actually deep diving whenever she feels that something's off with you, right? And she also has to remember what you said in the last couple of conversations so that, like, she builds on it. And here's the irony, like, when you look at a human being or even an HR, right, they're just so busy. How will I know that out of my thousand employees and thousand conversations and hundred surveys, Shantanu three years back had a problem with his manager and that has been consistently a fault, yet he believes in our company so much. This is a hypothetical example. <laughs> yet he believes in say LinkedIn so much, he still wants to be there. So why not just solve the problem? And the third and final one is essentially how can you accurately predict not only who is going to leave, but who is essentially disengaged, toxic, negative, or just likely to not leave, but damage your company. So that's essentially the three things we typically call out. Awesome. I think that's uh, very helpful to pick up because from a, uh, what, what I've understood is your first USP is, of course, personalization and context and availability and all come eventually. But I think what's what's been core uh, as far as i could pick up as well is the fact that it's very personal to each one of us i think that's as pretty, yeah. as always you articulated better better than i do <laughs> not at all but uh, i think uh, that's that's a very incredible summarization that you've uh, put through and uh, just wanted uh, your view on and more of a follow up sort of a question on the previous non ai question 
is that a lot of uh, enterprises that say we've pitched to in the past one and a half, two years, right? A lot of them never used data or AI to help with decision making at that immense scale that they're doing now. And they used to rely a lot on, and, and with large organizations, right? Opinion and hunches are something that go a long way in terms of some decision making. So what do you believe could be a very strong trigger of sorts for them to eventually move towards this AI transformation? What is that one thing that uh, you could probably tell them or highlight to them that will make them believe that, okay, this is what we should be doing already? Um, good question. The way I would look at this is, I would want to sort of first understand what they're up to, right? Because every company is doing something, right? In a ridiculously high effort, high stress, inducing way right and they're not realizing that there is a better way out there so it's like this it's the opposite of a bubble it's a box right like they're just in a box and they don't realize they're in it right so an example of that would be uh, typically hr business partners what i've seen is uh, like they have these things like they have these focus group discussions skip meetings they have uh, these hundreds of one-on-ones they'll do within their allocated function They'll organize CEO walks, town halls, so on and so forth, and these initiatives to sort of gather information, right? And, and then again, like, despite all of this, they get this name that, uh, you know, <laughs> they just make Rangolis. <laughs> and it's, it's really disheartening. They, uh, they gather information, they work so hard, and then they also hear that they're not acting on anything, and people say they're the least valued function. And I think the way... Like I would want to show them a better future or a path out there is to just like, first of all, make them realize that because HR is undervalued, there is like the, the AI fraternity or the SaaS fraternity, the software fraternity has not sort of bothered to build anything of substance uh, or something that contributes to the future of work. Like everybody's still lost in the HRMS and payrolls, right? So, so uh, the solution I would propose is, you know what, like just stop all of that, right? Perhaps just experiment for about two to three months and give it to a product. And it could be any product, right? Like, like why do you have to use Amber? Like, use any uh, use case, whether it's recruitment, whether it's engagement, whether it's query answering. Just try to give that initial, let's say, 80% of your work to a bot, the collection, the repeatable stuff, the, uh, the stuff which can be automated, and focus on the human aspect. Right, which is acting in a way you want to act versus your priorities, uh, making sure you empathize with only those people who actually need full attention and not spread yourself too thin. Right? And making sure you sort of take loops to completion for your top performers or your top potential talent right? and not just sort of spray and pray for everybody. So again, long story short, like how do you move from spray and pray, high effort, high stress, to sniper laser focus and just you know put your head behind hands behind your head and just relax so uh, that's a sales pitch by the way for every single ai product that's <laughs> trying to enter the hr space and uh, i think very very thankful for that answer because it's something that a lot of a lot of these nudges a lot of these conversations need to be happening already because uh, i think we're not we're, we're running blind without a lot of these innovations that we speak of and a lot of these that we create. Um, I wanted to close off with one question that 
uh, I've always found very intriguing and, and the answer to this, which I've really loved coming from you is from a user standpoint now, um, okay, you know, so the HR launches, Amber, the HR has deployed it across say 20,000, 25,000 people. Now, how do you assure that the person is, you know, their feedback is going to be acted upon and Amber, of course, uh, very strongly you and Amber both now believe in non-anonymous feedback. Uh, do you have a take on why you particularly do this and how this helps build trust in the organization? Got it. So we've been uh, experimenting with a feature uh, called change score, right? Or change experience. So the idea is uh, that any feedback that the employee gives, right? Uh, it's of course logged within Amber. At the end of the day, the next time Amber speaks to, uh, let's say somebody like you, you should be able to say, okay, has anything changed or not, right? And that should essentially give a score to the HR and leadership that, okay, are their actions working or not? Because the only thing left for HR to do is act or drive change. And more often than not, it's a, uh, if you get negative change scores in your company, it's a, it could be two things. One is your HR has not worked at all, right? And maybe that's like a lesser probable case, but the like most often what happens is the HR has worked, but maybe worked on the wrong things or maybe not communicated the change because you solve for your 10 top performers but the other 60, 70 or 700 people have no idea that you fundamentally changed the leadership, right? So uh, at least that's how we've seen that. And that also reminds me of a conversation last Monday I had with Michael Sibyl. He's the CEO of YC. So he happens to be our direct partner. And he said, you know what, I think what's happening with you guys is you've been so focused on the buyer, right? Which is the HR, the CEO, like, how about you sort of have a dedicated team for the employees as well, right? So I think that's something that fundamentally changed how I think, but I was like, how about we split our teams for our top two stakeholders and not just the person who pays us, right? So a dedicated team for making sure HR derives actionables and a dedicated team to make sure the employees actually have action on their feedback, right? So, so I think that's something uh, I'm really excited about, but the answer is change scores, at least for now. Yep, and and uh, very interesting to see, I'm personally now excited about the team split as well. And uh, I, I look forward to how that's gonna go. But uh, <laughs> of course, uh, very, very thankful for you to take the time out for this conversation and very glad to have you and speak to you after very long again. No, absolutely. In fact, uh, I think for everyone listening to this, uh, this is full circle and I'm genuinely like, you can feel how happy I am because uh, like Shantanu is someone like I work very closely with, not just in the capacity of him working with us for AI, but he's amongst the like biggest reasons why I even got Y Combinator earlier this year. Like. Uh, we were sitting in WeWork and uh, <laughs> this is a Saturday <laughs> and for just three, four hours, we were like, like, you know, let's just do something. Just And we finished YC's application end to end four hours. Unlike the other YC companies where they were spending four or five months, we just went all in, right? And the videos on YouTube, you guys can check it out. And we had like a hundred takes. Moving <laughs> the plants around. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I really enjoyed working with you, Shantan. And I'm just so glad to see where you are. And I'm looking forward to the book that comes out. Thank you so much, Sanma, because I think I've personally taken away a lot more from you. And I look forward to having this in print again soon. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thank you.
I hope this was helpful and enjoyable for everyone who tuned in and please keep watching this space for more and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Starting and Scaling AI Ventures. Goodbye.